Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it's your first time here, my name is John. I'm the lead pastor. So, I don't know, pretty much everybody has an iPhone except for the random person you text and it comes back green and you say, oh, I feel so bad for you. All right, but if you have an iPhone, um, one of the things that you can do now is it lets you know what your screen time is, how much you're actually using it, and you can go through it. And just so you, you know, just so you know a little bit about me, mine just came up five minutes ago and says, last week, you averaged four hours, 43 minutes of screen time per day on your phone. That seems like it's a lot. I asked Adam, I said, what does yours say? And he goes, I turned it off. I don't even want to know, okay? So I'm sure it's not good. But we are in this series, the second week of this series called Unfollow, where we are just spending time talking about social media because it's a part of life. You can't escape it. It is absolutely everywhere. And even if you're a person who's not on Facebook, not on Instagram, all that kind of stuff, it's still impacting your life because it's a part of politics, it's a part of, of news, it's a part of religion. I mean, we're on here right now live streaming. Well, not now, we will be, all right? But it's everywhere. You can't get around it. So for the next couple of weeks, what we're doing is just looking at key issues that we will run into on Facebook, on Instagram, th these things that are universal concepts that affect every single one of us. And we're just using social media as a vehicle to kind of talk about these problems, so to speak. So last week I had the uh, pleasure of asking us all the question, you know, am I bragging? When it comes to social media, am I on there bragging? And sort of the question that I had all of us ask ourselves as a filter when we're on there is, why am I posting this really? And I don't know how your week went, but my week with my circle of friends and family we talked a lot about this sermon. It, it, it was more than any other sermon we've done here. It was just a constant topic of conversation. And a lot of it was jokes, kind of busting each other about, you know, what we're posting and how much we're posting. But it was a good week to just kind of hit the pause button and just kind of take a look at your life and say, am I maybe like kind of perhaps bragging just a little bit and, and it's become second nature and I don't even realize it. So it was a good conversation to have. Today, I want to talk about a topic that is on the other end of the spectrum to bragging. And yet at the same time, it's very much connected. The question we have to get to the bottom of today is, am I jealous? This is a problem in my life. And these are one of those things that nobody likes to admit that they're jealous. Nobody goes, yeah, you know what, that's a problem for me. But every single one of us, at some point in our lives, at, at some level, has struggled with jealousy. And, and, and the Bible has a lot to say about envy and jealousy. And, you know, it talks about the fact that jealousy rots your bones from the inside out. And I think we can hear that and we go, yeah, you know what? I feel that. That makes sense. But before we get into the scriptural side of things, I just want to take a moment, just a couple of minutes, and make some observations about social media and our lives and kind of how jealousy sort of weaves its way in and we don't even realize it. So, the first thing that I've noticed, and I don't know if you've noticed this at all, but when it comes to your newsfeed, it just seems like our newsfeed, Facebook or Instagram, is custom tailored to drive us nuts. Okay, now I don't know if Mark Zuckerberg is listening to us. I think he is based on like the news reports, all right? But uh, like I know that like Alexas are listening to you, okay? All my friends have them, and I keep telling him, that is listening to everything you are saying. They go, well, I don't care, okay? Like I was in New Jersey for Christmas. My wife and I, Jacqueline, were watching TV. We're watching, like, The Office. I forgot what it was. And the guy on TV just goes, he's having a conversation, and he goes, I'm sorry. And out of nowhere, the Alexa in the corner of the room goes, you don't need to apologize. 
And I go, you see, it's listening. I told you. Okay, everything we say, these things are listening to us. And I don't know what kind of algorithm Facebook has, but it knows like the most sensitive parts of our life. So it's kind of like, oh, you're single? Let me show you a picture of your friend from high school who just got married. And of course, you know, she's hideous and has a horrible personality. But you look at it and you go, I'm going to die a spinster. Thank you for putting this up in front of me. Or it's like, you know, maybe you're having a hard time getting pregnant. Very sensitive time in your life. And of course, randomly, you know, this article pops up about this woman who just looked at a man and got pregnant with, like, octuplets. And you're kind of like, how, why is this here right now? I don't need to be seeing this, all right? And maybe, maybe your marriage is a problem for you. It's just like a little bit of a rocky time. You're trying to work through all this kind of a stuff. And of course, all of a sudden, you know, Karen, who you work with, it's a picture of her over in Paris. And she's like under the Eiffel Tower. And, you know, they're feeding each other chocolate-covered strawberries and clinking champagne glasses. And you're like, I don't need this in my life right now. This is not something that is helping me mentally. But we can't look away. And what happens is that the more time we spend on social media and we're looking down our newsfeed, we begin to use it as a litmus test for our own life. Where we kind of open up and we log in and we kind of say, all right, well, how am I doing? Compared to everybody else and what's going on in their life, how am I, how am I doing? And you see people going on these like really nice vacations and you're sitting on your couch watching reruns of The Office, okay? Or you're looking, everybody's having a kid or, or their kids are getting into really good colleges, all right? And, and you look at your own life and you go, I got, I got nothing to post about. Everybody's posting all these great things. I have nothing to post about. And all of a sudden, it's like you urgently have to go and plan a vacation. You're like, I got to plan a vacation. I got to do something. I got to call my friends. We got to get a happy hour together because I got to get something that I can post about and let people know that I'm relevant or really let myself know that I'm relevant. And, and you start looking at everybody else's lives and all the things that they're doing and all the things that you're not doing. And what we fail to realize is that you're comparing your behind the scenes to their highlight reels. No one's up there putting a selfie of a bad hair day. Just not what they're doing. Wait, it, here's, okay, here's one for you. Have you ever been out at like a happy hour or a dinner and you're with your friends? And it's fine. It's like, you know, you're friends, you're having a, a nice time. It's just good to be your friends. But like, you'd just as soon be home on your couch with like a glass of wine. It's just, it's, it's not the best night. It's been a long week. Everybody's tired. And it's just not that big of a deal. But all of a sudden, your friend brings his phone out and goes, hey, let's get one for an Instagram story. And what happens? We all come alive. All of a sudden, it's like boomerang, and we're throwing napkins, and we're popping bottles. And, you know, Jimbo at home is sitting on his couch watching The Office, looking at you, and it's like your boring night is now like the last days of Rome. And it's like this bacchanalia, okay? And he's like, gosh, John, he really lives the high life. No, I don't. I'm bored too, but like someone put a camera out and now I got to make it look like what I'm doing is absolutely incredible. And this is social media. It's not that what we're looking at is a lie. It's just a manufactured truth. It's just everything we see we forget is like a highlight that we're trying to make it look like the best thing possible. And what happens is we begin to look at everybody quote unquote having fun and we get sucked into what I am now calling, patent pending, okay, the envy brag vicious cycle. We're on our Instagram, we look at, you know, the story, and we see our friends having fun. 
okay, and really they're bored. They're having fun. So what do we do? Well, now I got to go out, okay? Now we go out, and we, now we're having fun. And now they see us doing that, and they go, well, he's actually having fun. I got to go out now, and I got to have some more fun. And around and around and around we go, and we just get sucked into this whole thing where we're all looking at each other and saying, well, my life's terrible, but your life looks great. How do I live more like you? And it's a problem. And based on what I was reading in the scripture this week, I, I learned something that really changed the way that I view other people and what's going on in their lives. What I learned is that your jealousy is misdirected. You think you have a problem with that person, but they just evoke the feeling of jealousy. They're not your problem. That person, and you know right now who you, you know, when I say that, because everybody's got that person, when that person does that thing, your problem's not with that person. The reason I know your problem's not with that person is because that person can't do anything to help you with your problem. It's actually one thing they can do. And if they do this one thing and you feel better about yourself and your jealousy kind of comes down a notch, if they do this one thing, then you know your problem's not with them. Your problem's not with stuff, but your problem's in here. See, the one thing that that person can do is they can have a reversal of fortune. They can fail. It's kind of like this. Oh, you crashed your Ferrari? Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. That's just, that's a shame. Oh, your honor student got caught smoking pot and now can't get into Duke. Gosh, that's a problem. It's kind of one of those things, all right? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, did you see Shannon in her bikini? She didn't look as good as last year. I guess it's because, you know, she's working hard, bless her soul, you know, that kind of a thing. We've all done it. And the issue is this, if you feel better about yourself when someone fails, that's a red flag. That's a problem. That means that you really have a heart issue. And what we're going to go through today with the scriptures pretty clear about as far as I can see is that jealousy is ultimately a problem with God. See, we, we think it's everybody else, but really what you're going to see is that jealousy is ultimately a problem with God. And you hear this and you go, eh, that can't be right. Because God, we're, we're good. My problem's with that person. No, you think your problem's with that person. Because according to the scripture, from the beginning to the end, from Genesis to Revelations, the maps, all that kind of stuff, it is very clear that God is the one alone who gives us everything we have. From our health to our wealth to our opportunities, even our spiritual gifts, it says that he is giving these things out however he sees fit. And so when we're on social media and we're looking around at everybody else's life and we go, well, what they have is better than what I have and what I have is trash or not that good, what you're really saying, whether you realize it or not, is that God owes me. God shortchanged me in this life. God owes me his muscles. God owes me her hair, their car, their neighborhood, owes my kid, their kid's college. All these things where we're looking around and we go, it's just not fair that they have this and I don't. I don't think we actually want fair. Because based on the world standards, even as Americans, if we ask for fair, that means we've got to take a step back. Okay? No, we don't want fair, we want more. We want more than what they have. And, and, and what we have to understand is that if we ever want to beat jealousy, and envy, 
we have to recognize that our problem is not with that person. Our problem is with God. So Jesus knew this about us. He, he knows us quite well. He knows envy and jealousy are a problem. And he knows that envy and jealousy are down so deep in us. They're buried under so many different kinds of emotions and, and, and dirt and muck and all this kind of stuff. And they, they wear different masks so it, jealousy looks like different things for different people. He knows that unless he points it out, unless he puts a spotlight on it, we're never going to fully see it. So he tells us a parable. And a parable, if you don't know, is a fictional story that Jesus would make up to kind of convey a real truth to us. So today we're going to take a look at one of Jesus' favorite and most famous parables. We've covered this one here at this church before. If you spend any length of time in a local church, you have heard this one. It's important. That's why we do it a lot. So in Matthew 25, he kind of starts off by saying this. And he's, he's talking about heaven, the kingdom of heaven in a way. He says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. So he's kinda, he says this. He goes, look, he, here's how the story starts. You got a master. And he's leaving for a while. And he's handing out all of these things. He's handing out his wealth to whoever he pleases, right? And to one... He gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. So for the purposes of today, you have to understand that every single person in this room is a two-bagger. We're all two-baggers. There's people that have more than us, and there's people that have less than us. So you are a two-bagger. Now the other thing, we have to make sure that we understand before we proceed, in this story, who is the person who is responsible for giving out the bags of gold? Just say it out loud if you know the answer to this. The master. The master is the person in this story who is responsible for giving out the bags of gold. You get one, you get two, and you get five. Continues on. Then he, speaking of the master, went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. It goes on. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. And it continues. But, never good when it starts with a but, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Because, you know, what can you do with one bag of gold? I mean, sure, if you'd give me two bags of gold, of course, you do something. You give me five bags of gold. Forget about it. You know what I mean? Like, the, the opportunities are endless in this world. I, but, you, but you gave me one bag of gold. So, you know, what can you do? And we all kind of started thinking like that, too. We kind of go, well, if I had her looks, of course I could. You know, if, if I had his education, sure, of course I could do. If, if my parents could give me the opportunities that they gave you, yeah, of course. But... I just have one bag of gold. So what am I going to do with one bag of gold? Jesus continues, after a long time. Now, when Jesus uses the phrase after a long time, because we've seen this now in a couple of other parables that he tells before this one, when he says after a long time, what he means is after a lifetime. After you've lived your whole life and you come to the end of your life and everything is over. So he's saying after a long time, when it's all over, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. It says, the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, 
you entrusted me. There's a recognition that what he had came from God. He goes, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. Well, what he's saying is that he goes, look, look, I understand that you gave me something. Look at what I did with what you gave me. In my life, look at what I did with what I was given. Master replied, well done. Good job. Good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. And I love the fact that he calls five bags of gold a few things, which is an enormous amount of money in this time. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Why is he happy? Because the servant did exactly what the master expected him to do. He did something with what he was given. So it continues on. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me. Again, a recognition that everything he had came from the master. You entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. Master replied, and Jesus uses the exact same language. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. So I think it's interesting that Jesus specifically told, on purpose, used the exact same language, congratulatory language, encouraging language, to the man who came with four bags of gold as he did with the guy who came back with ten bags of gold. Why? What, is, what does he want us to see here? He wants us to recognize that the master is pleased, not with what you have, but rather what you've done with what you've been given. So he wraps up by saying this. Then the servant with one bag of gold came and said this. Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. So I put this in blue because if you're like me, you're probably reading this and you're going, what? Harvesting crops, plant, what? What do you? So I, I pulled out a bunch of different translations because I was like, all right, maybe there's one that's less confusing. This is the best translation I, I, I come up with. And I go, what, is he gathering crops you didn't plant? Is he telling his master that he's a, a thief? What is he trying to get at here? What is he trying to tell this guy? So I researched it. This is a saying. This is an expression that he would have used. It's an ancient Jewish expression, so to speak. Essentially, what this servant is saying is, you expect too much of me. That's what he's saying. You expect too much of me. Or rather, you've given me a task, but you didn't give me the tools. He says, so I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. You see? Here it is. See, what he's saying here in this moment is he goes, okay, wait, wait, wait. Master, before you say anything, before you ask me about what I've done or what I haven't done, how much I made or how much I may, I may not have made, I just, I just need you to understand one thing. It's your fault. It's your fault. What did you expect of me? You only gave me one bag. Of, you gave that guy two. Sure, you gave that guy five. Of course they did something. But, but me, you gave me a task. You didn't give me any tools. You only gave me one bag of gold. And it's not fair. Master's listening to him say all this to him. And he says, that's a terrible way to live. 
That's a terrible way to live. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? I love that. Why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers, where at least I would have gotten a little interest. It's not that this guy did anything illegal. He didn't do anything bad. He didn't do anything immoral or unethical. He just didn't do anything. He lived, his so, he lived his whole life focused on the fact that everything was unfair, that he'd been shortchanged by the master, that he took himself out of the game, that he did absolutely nothing with what he was given. And I think if we're not careful, we can fall into the same trap. I think because so many of us, th the problem is this, we, we, if we focus on iniquity, pardon me, inequity, different word, which is a lack of fairness, we lose sight of opportunity. We look around and we focus on what everybody else has versus what we have, and we just say, it's not fair. And we start to blame God. And we say, what could I possibly do with these things? And we end up taking ourselves out of the game. And we squander the opportunities we have. And we squander the gift that we have. And we do nothing with it. So when I read this parable and I, and I see what Jesus is saying, I, I think what he's saying to all of us is that you're special. And we tell kids this and, and we kind of forget that we as adults are also special. I think what Jesus is looking at us and he goes, you need to understand that you're a unique combination of things that have been entrusted to you by God. Now these Guys in this story, they were given bags of gold. But for us, I was trying to think about what, what, what has been entrusted to us. The list is innumerable. But I picked a couple of things. Every single one of us, you were given a family. You were given a job and an education, talents, a home, a car. Maybe you're a bike guy. Maybe you're a bus guy. doesn't matter. Clothes and a history that is unique to you. But what starts to happen is that we look on social media and we begin comparing our family and our job to other people's families and looking at their job and looking at their education and their talents. And we started saying, I want what they have. What they have is better than what I have. And I think Jesus just kind of looks at us and goes, yeah, you know what? Your life does look different than their life. But I gave you your life. And I gave you those things. And I think what he wants us to understand is that only you can do what you can do with what you have. He, he goes, I have specifically hand-tailored, handcrafted your life. I saw you, and I knew you, and I gave you these things. Don't look around and say, I wish I had what they had. You're going to take yourself out of the game, and you're going to end up doing nothing. You're going to cheat yourself out of making a difference in the world around you, in the lives of the people that are closest to you, and you're going to end up like this servant, just burying this thing that you thought was no good, but it's a gift handed to you by God. So what's the practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it's your first time at DHC, every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So the first one is this. If, 
If you're on social media and there's someone that drives you crazy, it's just everything they do drives you up a wall. Maybe it's evoking jealousy. Maybe it's evoking, you know, anger. Maybe it's just whatever. I would challenge you, just as an act of self-care, hit mute. You can unfollow people, and they don't know. You can mute them, and they don't know. You do not have to consume other people's lives if they drive you crazy. Now, according to what we learned today, doing this is like taking a Xanax. Just kind of takes the edge off, all right? But it's not getting at the root of the issue, okay? The root of the issue is in here. And so what I would challenge you to do, okay, if you're a person who's on there and you're looking at other people's stuff and you go, I want what they have, I got shortchanged in this world, it's not fair, I would challenge you in prayer, go to God and tell him you're mad. Tell him you're mad. You may say, well, can you, can you do that? Yeah. He's a big boy. He can handle it. There are entire books of the Bible of people just saying, I'm, I'm just mad. Uh, you and I are not good right now. In fact, I believe that he is absolutely waiting for you to come to him with this conversation. Because if you ever want to beat this jealousy thing, if you ever want to beat this envy thing, the only way you're going to beat it is you have a conversation with him and allow him to start working in your heart. The last thing that I would challenge you to do, and it might feel weird for some of you, but I challenge you to celebrate others. That person who does the thing that you don't like, tell them good job. Hey, your hair looks great. Nice clothes, all that. And you might say, John, isn't that kind of being fake? No, it's not. It's just not natural to you. Because unless that person is bragging, then all they're doing in their life is using the gifts and the talents and the opportunities that were afforded to them by God. They're doing what their master told them. So telling them good job, celebrating their achievements, that's a good thing to do. You should be doing that. And if you continue to do it, it's kind of like fake it till you make it, eventually you're really going to be celebrating them. And if you accompany this practice with prayer, your life will change. You will eventually break free from the bonds of envy and jealousy. What you do with what you have is more important than what you have. I just think we all have to stop looking around and just look forward and start making a difference in this world with the things that God has entrusted us. Let me pray for us.